This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome aboard, folks. Dr. Charles Parker. We're here again, and we have another unique, interesting, and uh, delightful person to talk to. She was great to talk to offline, and she is going to tell us about mold and mycotoxins. Thank you so much for joining us, Heather Sanderson, Dr. Heather Sanderson. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So what we're going to do is quickly talk about our sponsors, and then I'm going to introduce her formally. And she has really been around, folks, in terms of knowing the professionals who've been investigating the mold business and the pervasive problems with mold for many years. And just as a quick by-the-by, since we're early into the discussion here, is uh, corebrainjournal.com forward slash 190 is Dr. Matt Pratt-Hyatt with Great Plains Laboratories, who talked extensively about their test. So if you're here for that, Stay for Heather and then come around and talk to uh, Matt and see what he's talking about because I think this is so relevant. Puerto Rico, Texas, Florida, New Orleans, Katrina, you name it. Think about the, and those are the obvious ones. I think it's so non-obvious that we all should be listening to this and really be on top of it because it's a brain drain. It's a big brain drain. So let me go ahead and talk about our sponsors and then we'll come back and introduce Heather. So Core Brain Journal is sponsored by Direct Health Access Laboratory. They're international leaders in molecular testing for mind science details. With over 3 million studies, they provide deep experience with the usefulness of measuring, for example, methylation, cryptopyrrole, and copper challenges. Their innovative insights improve treatment priorities through a global service with, indeed, a molecular focus. Connect your provider with a PDF on how and why these tests work for treatments. Failure at dhalab.com forward slash core. Stay tuned for more details. And Core Brain Journal is also sponsored by the nonprofit Barry Robinson Center teams in Norfolk, Virginia. There they provide fresh options to address the complexity of child and adolescent treatment failure from behavior imbalances to substance abuse and biomedical imbalances, both nationally and internationally. Most interesting is their deep focus on data-driven, those biomedical advances that we were talking about, that measure specifics on what to do with treatment failure, even after multiple hospitalizations or extensive outpatient work. Review their innovative programs at Barry Robinson, that's B-A-R-R-Y, robinson.org forward slash core, for more information, stay tuned. Later in the program, we're going to be talking about them. So let me introduce Heather to you. Dr. Heather Sanderson is a naturopathic physician and the founder and medical director of North County Natural Medicine in Encinitas, California. Dr. Sanderson's focus is on healing and optimizing brain function on every level. She works with patients who struggle with anxiety, depression, cognitive decline, insomnia, bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia. Dr. Sanderson clinically applies the work and wisdom of experts in the field, including Dr. Bill Walsh, Dr. Dale Bredesen, Dr. Richie Shoemaker, Dr. Neil Nathan. And by the way, I met Richie Shoemaker. We were talking about it offline. And he's a very significant guy. I wrote a book called Mold Warriors and Surviving Mold. We'll talk more about that later. And she has combined these various approaches to mental health 
and all the contexts of naturopathic medicine, starting with the certainty that each body is capable of health and healing. And then she guides each of her patients to their highest potential. She's also professionally engaged with Dr. Daniel Schmachtenberger of Neurohacker, which then puts her at a whole level above the ordinary because that crew is a very interesting crew. We had the pleasure of meeting him. I don't have that number right in my mind at this moment, but he's a tremendous guy. So we're very pleased to have her on as a guest, and we're going to talk more with about her. So that's the intro. So let's talk about how you got started. I mean, what an odd topic for a young person to be in, for a person who is so engaging, so bright, and yet it seems like such a chronic, arcane, out-of-the-box topic. How did you get interested in mold? Yeah, thanks for asking. So there's a long story and a short story. <laughs> the short part is I was practicing medicine and there were people who weren't getting better and I couldn't figure it out. And a good scientist never stops asking questions, but a good doctor never stops answering, trying to answer them, right? Mm -hmm. And trying to figure out what is the missing link. Mm -hmm. And there were so many people that came in with Lyme type symptoms, right? They've got fatigue, certainly headaches, neurological issues. They've got numbness and tingling. They've got weird bowel issues or urinary issues. And of course the brain fog, brain fog, brain fog, that, that yeah, complaint yeah. never stops. And when it wasn't Lyme, I was like, what is it? What else could explain these symptoms that affect every system of the body that, you know, no matter what specialist they go to, no matter what their primary care provider tries to offer them, usually it's antidepressants. Um, it's probably all in your head, right? They weren't getting any help. And so I just was on a mission to figure out what else it could be. And mold came up a ton. My time right there, I'll just catch it real quickly. Sorry to catch you and interrupt you. But as you're talking, it reminds me of my transformational moment. A guy came in who could hardly walk and he couldn't think and he had obvious neurologic problems. And I had just met Richie Shoemaker up in Pocomoke, Maryland. And it's a small town in the middle of nowhere on the Eastern shore. And this guy came in and he was, he couldn't think. He just couldn't think. I asked him what the problem was. And he said, well, my basement flooded. Right. And there I, I had about three feet of water in the basement for a long period of time. And the black mold crept up. The mold kept creeping through the house. We eventually had to have the house condemned. Hmm. And he says, I've been unable to work since that time. So I just share a quick story. So that was my take on it and I had the same thing. I had a, how am I going to work with this guy? He looks like he's neurologically impaired, and he was neurologically impaired. But and how lucky that that guy knew that there was mold in his house. He knew that there had been black mold. Even the house was condemned. I see so many people who come in, and they don't realize that there was water damage. Like You mentioned New Orleans and Houston and Miami and all these places that flooded with the hurricanes recently. But there are even more people who are living or working in a water damaged building that has mold that's on the other side of a wall, right? And when we talk about the mold or the water damaged buildings, we're not really always talking about the mold. Now people can have allergies to mold, but it's the toxins that the molds create that become so damaging, right? We, we think about Botox in Southern, right? I'm in Southern California, so everybody knows <laughs> what Botox is for, right? That's botulinum toxin, right? It's a toxin that is made by botulinum bacteria that's used as a neurotoxin. It's used to paralyze muscles, usually in our forehead, right? To keep you from getting wrinkles. Now, 
not just bacteria make toxins, molds make toxins too, that can be just as neurotoxic, if not more, right? And they're inert. So a lot of people are thinking, oh, mold, it's something that I can just kill with an antifungal, right? No, that it's not the mold that's the problem. It's the toxins the mold are creating. And so they're more like a heavy metal or a petrochemical, right? They're a typically fat soluble. So they're also going to accumulate. You're not going to get rid of them super easily. So if a person kills the mold, let's say they scrub their house down and they have it in the bathroom. I had somebody from New York City who came down to do brain imaging in D.C. And we asked them a lot of questions because their brain looked like Swiss cheese. And I said, uh, you know, do you have any mold? In oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, we have it in our bathroom. It's constantly respringing up in the bathroom. And then the wife turned to the husband and, and several people have left our apartment because of mold. I'm saying. And it looks kind of bad. So tell me this and tell our listeners this. What happens if you kill the mold? How does that mycotoxin, what's the relationship between the mold and the mycotoxin is really what I'm It's asking. really hard to remediate a mold issue. And if you're really sick, what I typically ask a patient to do is go on a vacation. So, right, doctor prescribed vacation. <laughs> and I know it's financial challenges abound in this area because right, people don't feel good, so it's harder to work. They don't have a job. Now I'm asking them potentially to move. So it's almost like giving a cancer diagnosis. I mean, it is a really, really, really hard thing to hear that you might have to move from your house or take out a loan to remediate your house. If that's even going to be an option, you might have to get rid of all of your clothes. That antique furniture you got from your grandma might have mold in it or might have mold toxin in it. And I can't always predict if you're going to be able to fully get rid of it. So what I typically ask patients to do, to know for sure, to do a test, there's all kinds of testing and we can get into the shoemaker testing, the mycotoxin testing in the urine. There's a lot we can get into there, but a great test that you can do is go on a vacation. So just get out of the house, get away from the potential exposure. I typically ask patients in Southern California to go to the desert. There's not going to be as much uh, mold in the desert. Obviously it's dry out there and go camping take a, get a tent and go camping. I ask them to leave their clothes behind because you can take those mycotoxins in the clothes. It can also be in your car. So there's a lot of stuff, right? We're so attached to stuff and there's a lot of stuff that can have the mycotoxins can contaminate in the car air filters, in the car upholstery. It can just be in a lot of places you wouldn't think. And so you might start to get better and then get sick every time you get in the car or start to get better. And then every time you go into the garage and get into those even the camping supplies, right? There might be mold in there. So we have to be really careful, get them in a spot where we know they're not going to be exposed to the mycotoxins at least for three days. Seven days is better. And most people, if it is mold, especially in their house, they come back and they feel it immediately. They feel the difference when they are exposed again. And they notice that they felt better. Their mind was clear. The neurological symptoms might've started to go away. They're not hundred percent typically after three, even seven days, but you can answer the question is the exposure in my house affecting me? Heather, that is without a doubt the best test I've ever heard of. <laughs> Thanks. You know, I came up with it myself. <laughs> and you could say, you know, who wouldn't want to take that test? I mean, camping out may be a little bit difficult for people, but let's take a little moment since we're talking about tests about let's move it a little further down the road. That sounds great. That's a very utilitarian. It's right in the order of my transit time test with a corn. But the bottom line is take it to the next level. What are some of the labs that you use that you think are yeah. important and, and how to read them? What do, you, what do you think about all that? Yeah, so I definitely reference the Shoemaker Lab. So that includes things like MSH, TGF-beta-1, 
there's a whole list and he has a survivingmold.com. He has a great list and it even gives you a lot of interpretation of those. I won't go into that too much right now because I know you've done a lot of that, but um, those are, are really, really awesome to be able to get a hold of. It's harder for patients that have HMOs. So the insurance becomes a big factor here, which I wish that weren't the case, but it's the reality that I deal with every day clinically. It's depending on the insurance, some things get covered, other things don't. One of the more direct tests you mentioned, Great Plains Labs has a fantastic test that's much more accessible than it used to be financially. So in the about $300 range, you can directly test for mycotoxins in the urine. It used to be $700. So it's still a, a bit of an investment, but if you don't have insurance that covers the Shoemaker Lab, then getting that, micro, that direct mycotoxin test is a great way to collect that information. Am I being exposed? Now, one quick thing to add there. I usually do it with glutathione provocation. So either IV glutathione or oral glutathione. And I like to get into that three grams. So 3,000, 3,500. Sometimes people are using as much as 3,800, four grams right before you start collecting urine. Now there's arguments on both sides of this, right? Like, well, if you're not getting rid of them without that glutathione provocation, then are you really exposed? But what I see is the people who are most symptomatic, the reason they're symptomatic is because they don't get rid of them, right? So there might be an exposure. I've had people with known exposures where you can see they're collecting mold in the Petri dish. We've sent it off to the lab and we know exactly what mold, we know there's stachyboitrus or another toxic mold in the house. We know it's generating toxins. They feel awful. And those urinary mycotoxins tests come back negative, right? And then we're sitting there scratching our head. How is this even possible? It's because the reason they're symptomatic they're not getting rid of them. So it might be that their partner, but this is another heartbreaking part of what we see is that you have a partner who's in the same exposure or a child and one person is very symptomatic and the other yeah. isn't. I think part of the reason that that is, is because we have different detoxification, either genetics or maybe it's our nutrients. Maybe we're not getting enough nutrients or maybe we don't have bowel movements every day. You know, there's something that's preventing that symptomatic patient from getting rid of those mycotoxins and that glutathione really helps to push it. So then we'll get a more true result in my experience and we can make better decisions with that. And we can also track changes over time, right? So if you get rid of the exposure, if you do all of the detox work, then we should get to a point where you don't have significant levels of mycotoxin. Now, is there some amount of normal mycotoxin? Yes. We live in a mold, in a mold ridden world, right? There's molds outside yeah. and we're all going to be exposed to them at some level, but there's a healthy normal level. And then there's a level that's going to cause symptoms. Well, that's so interesting. Tell us a little more about that glutathione provocation. So what that does, and I'm an innocent in this, so you're teaching me with everybody here that's listening. So you run uh, 3,500, 4,000 grams, I guess, of... Milligrams, milligrams, sorry, okay. three to four grams of okay. glutathione. Okay, I got you. So, Either IV or we can do it orally. Oh, you can do it orally as well. Yeah, I like the liposomal glutathione from Redisorb. They do a great job. It gets absorbed because part of the issue with oral glutathione is that it doesn't get absorbed very well. And I so you you. Have, you'd have to take huge, huge, huge amounts. But if you can get a good high quality liposomal one, then you can use an oral. So then what's the time lapse between the provocation and the test? 
Great question. So none of this is written in stone, right? We're making this up as we go because we're learning a lot. And so I got this idea when I was at a mold and mycotoxin conference. It was in Dallas. I think it was AAEM, the American Academy of Environmental Medicine. There's another one coming up in March that I'm really excited to go to because I just get so much great information from my colleagues and we get to bounce ideas off of each other. And this was one of them that came up a year or so ago is what do I do with my patients who have known exposures and have negative urinary mycotoxins? And so we all all discussed it, we came up with that three to four gram dose, IV or oral. And then also how we do that logistically is similar to if you've ever taken a heavy metal test where you do IV provocation of heavy metals, you collect your urine for six hours. So you collect it for six hours. It's very glamorous. You keep it in the fridge, <laughs> um, shake it up before you pour it into a little collection container that then goes off to the lab. Well, that's not bad keeping your urine in the refrigerator because I remember <laughs> the prime minister of India or some one of the serious Indian officials of state was talking about not only keeping it in the refrigerator, but drinking it regularly. So, Oh, I wouldn't ask was, you to do that. that, that but I do, every other person that comes in, we're, we're asking to do a stool test though. <laughs> keeping that in the fridge is a whole nother level. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> which, which part of the fridge, right? Right, right. Don't tell your roommates. Yeah. So that's very interesting. So then... So then you can get an idea, which is really that provocation then really means that it's a more true reading of the mycotoxins that are remaining on a cellular level in the body. It washes out those mycotoxins. They appear in the urine, and you have a much clearer idea of, of the um, enormity of the problem. Particularly in patients who have trouble detoxing. Yeah, that glutathione is really key. That's so interesting. So then what do you actually do when a person comes in? Let's talk, since we're talking in somewhat specific terms about testing, let's run the tape back a little bit and say, what would you do working up a person when they come in as a sort of a routine? I mean, nobody does cookie cutter medicine that we're talking to anymore, but I mean, still just from a general point of view, someone who might think of what to do, what would you recommend in that regard? Yeah, absolutely. This is such a great question. It's, it's my medical philosophy, like, right? How did I get here? And what are the questions I asked that I think are valuable to have answers to? So the way I think about medicine is there's not that many things that cause disease. Chronic disease, especially, is going to be an imbalance in the chemistry. It's an imbalance in the signaling systems in our brain, in our body, in our mitochondria, somewhere, if it's osteoporosis, right, it's imbalance in the signals that tell you to break down bone or make new bone. If it's Alzheimer's, it's imbalances in the signals telling you to make new synapses and new neurotransmitters, new brain cells, right, versus the ones telling you to get rid of the old ones that don't serve you anymore. Right? So you can basically extrapolate that to any chronic disease system in the whole body. So when I come to medicine, medicine is very complex. Our bodies are just these, and the most incredible work of art, right? We are, have this insane divine design that there is this healing power within us. And I trust that. So my objective is to help the body regain that balance. I know that the body can get there. My job is just to get the things out of the way that are standing between you and health, right? Mm -hmm. And toxins, the reason I'm drawn to toxins is one, because sadly they are totally ignored and in fact not even maybe ignored but like shunned by the medical by the conventional so medical true. community so true nobody's getting the answers there yeah. that they that they need and nobody will even look at it so they're either ignored or worse than that they're people get angry when you start to talk about it 
So I feel like it's my responsibility to, to plug that hole. You know, there's other things, certainly structure. So whether it's genetic structure at microscopic level or like structure in the spine, right? Your anatomical structure, both of those things, too much or too little of something is going to cause an imbalance. So even though the body is very complex, we can break it down to pretty simple concepts. One, too much or too little of anything can cause an imbalance. It's those imbalances that lead to chronic disease. So what are the potential imbalances? Structural, so genetic or macrostructure like the spine, to nutrients, right? And our friend, Dr. Bill Walsh, he talks a lot about nutrients. You can also look at tons and tons of vitamins. Glutathione, we've already talked about. But if you don't have enough protein, too much or too little of anything, too much of certain nutrients like sugar can cause diabetes, too little, you're going to end up with too little zinc, right? Depression, anxiety, all kinds of things. So structure, nutrients, toxins, infections, and stress management are my big top five things that can cause problems. And it's too much or too little. Toxins are a passion of mine because of this lack in the conventional medical community to address them. So when I found Dr. Walsh's work, when I found Dr. Shoemaker's work, when I found Neil Nathan's work, they plug in those gaps for me of how can I get balance? And Dr. Bredesen's work is the same thing. How do I create balance in structure, toxins, nutrients, stress management, all of these foundational pieces. So that that's the big part of why mold comes up so much, but it doesn't come up before or after heavy metals, right? doesn't come up before or after petrochemicals. If I'm talking, it really depends on the patient's exposures, right? So mm -hmm. if I'm talking to someone who has an oil painting hobby, then they're exposed to a bunch of turpentine, or they moved into a new house with new laminate flooring, then that's going to be a really, oh, I had a great patient recently, he races cars as a hobby, right? So he's exposed to all these petrochemicals that a lot of other people aren't. But the mold comes up if they answer yes to, I live or work in a known water damaged building. And sometimes just planting that seed, I don't get that information from the patient the first time, but they come back and they say, you know what, Dr. Sanderson, after you asked me about the water damage, I remembered that from 1999 to 2007, I was living in this house where the pipe above me burst and nothing's been the same since. That's when the headache started. That's when this started. And so I can kind of plant the seed and then maybe it's not the first visit, but the second or third people start to say, then we start testing. That is so interesting and so true. Now, I'm not as into mold as I've been because I got so many other things that I'm focusing on in my own clinical work. But this is so helpful to really think about that because the more we dig in and the more we look at the impediments and what you're really, I thought that was such a great point when you said, have you had any water damage in your house? I mean, it can't get more basic than that. And right. if, if we just started asking that question and running a few tests, even if we didn't do the more provocative glutathione uh, provocation test, we would still be taking that conversation closer to the impediments that are biomedically there that actually create the problems. It's, it's fantastic, really interesting points. I'm going to take a minute. I'm going to ask you a question just say, we're going to take a break, but I've got a question that is really more than we can answer in a brief uh, meeting like this, but maybe we'll have you back to talk about it depending on what, where we can go with it and what you'd like to do. But the question I'm going to ask you is, okay, so now you've identified it. Now you see it. What are we going to do about it? So when we come back, folks, we're going to have a moment of silence here while we wait for the production guys to get in on this, and then we'll come back and we'll ask that question. What are we going to do about it? Looking forward to it. I've got lots of ideas. 
Well, you folks already know that here at Core Brain Journal, we're on a mission to introduce you to resources that make significant contributions to the investigation of those predictable mind science applications. Our colleagues at DHA Lab Group provide a real difference with treatment options for people at every level, from first awareness of mind problems to those frustrating times when even well-informed treatment becomes surprisingly unpredictable. For my entire professional life, from psychoanalysis to brain scans, I've searched for, yes, improved predictability. The good news for all of us, from professionals to patients, remarkably effective research offers useful, cost-effective, organic options far beyond guesswork with psychiatric medications alone. DHA lab tests measure unbalanced biomedical details through easily available testing, now available globally for a variety of molecular answers from, for example, methylation, copper, and cryptopyrrole challenges. Check in for more details at dhalab.com core. That's d-h-a-l-a-b.com forward slash core. Well, here we are back again, folks. You know, it's so interesting to talk to somebody like this who is so dynamic in her presentation and so completely utilitarian in her approach. I mean, it's just so fresh and engaging. And I want to thank you, Heather, for coming on board and talking to us and telling us all these things. So the next question is, the one that we did a little tease on before we left is, so what do you do about it? I know it's not an easy question, but let's just try to organize it a little bit and cover some of those um, intervention systems. You know, Dr. Parker, it's such a delight to be here with you. Thank you for having me. And this is one of my favorite things to talk about because, you know, it is complex and there is a lot that we can do and we can do all the labs and there are even prescription medications that we can use to help with detox, but there's also some really, really great fundamentals that somebody who's struggling with mold exposure, with anything like that, can start right away very simply and easily at home for very little cost. So one, I don't want people to feel overwhelmed. Just get started with something, right? Just get started with something. And then if you need extra support, there, I am here to help. There are lots of doctors available to help walk you through this process. I know when you're not feeling good, it's quick. To, it doesn't take much to feel totally overwhelmed by this process, but there's tons of support. So what I think that we should do is we are going to also have a, a little detox handout that will be available on your website, I think, after this podcast. So that'll give you a little bit of guidance, but, but let's just talk through the organs of elimination. So what we want to do, let me back up one second, because number one thing in any environmental medicine, whether it's mold, petrochemicals, plastics, heavy metals, number one thing to do before anything else is stop that exposure. So we have to identify and stop the exposure. Otherwise, it's like you have a big plumbing problem, right? It's like you have the sink all the way on and you have that plug in it. It's going to overflow eventually. So what I want to do is turn the sink off first and open that drain. Drain that sink so that you're not overflowing into symptoms, right? So step number one, identify and stop the exposure. And that's why those tests that we were talking about previously are really important too. So then organs of elimination. In naturopathic medicine, we call them emunctories, and I just really love that word. So our emunctories are our gut, our bowels, liver, skin, and lymph. Those kind of come together, kidneys and lungs. So those are the organs that help us naturally get rid of all of the toxins that would build up anyways, right? Like every cell eats and poops. We've been, we've been exposed to toxins forever and ever. As we've developed more chemicals, put metals into our mouth, 
injected metals into children, as all of these things have happened, we've had to, we live in a more toxic world than we used to. So we do have to keep these things in mind. But the number one thing you can do is have a bowel movement every day. Having a regular bowel movement is so important to your health and detoxification. You have to eliminate. If you're not eliminating, then what can happen is that the liver, working so hard, is spitting out a toxic sludge called bile into the gut, into the bowels. And that toxic sludge, that bile, will get reabsorbed if you don't have a bowel movement every day. So then it's going to go back into the bloodstream. The fancy word is enterohepatic recirculation here, but you don't have to remember that. You just have I to remember <laughs> poop every day. And so, it, yeah, you don't, if it's going back to the liver, that liver now has to do the job of today, the job of yesterday, and probably the day before, right? So you're just asking the liver to do so much and in a toxic environment, it's just too much for it to handle, right? So having that bowel movement, colon hydrotherapy is a great option. Enemas, there are lots of supplements that are easy to take to get those bowel movements happening every day. Then liver. So liver support is a great one. Glutathione that we've already talked about. That's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful liver support. There's all kinds of supplements you'd want to talk to a doctor specifically about for you. But castor oil packs to the liver can be a great way to bring more circulation, to reduce inflammation. And that's a pretty easy, simple it gives you a chance to kind of check out. You can read a book or watch a movie because you want to, it takes about 45 minutes. So good thing to do in the evening. Warm castor oil packs to liver. There's lots of information out there about how to do that. Skin and lymph. A rebounder is a great way. So those little mini trampolines where you bounce, that's a great way to move lymph. Another one is dry skin brushing. Those are free, right? Well, you have to buy the trampoline, but um, <laughs> you can get them for like 200 bucks. And then you can bounce in front of the TV and get that lymph moving. Or you could listen to a podcast, right? Uh, it shouldn't take, take any extra time. And you really only have to bounce for like five to 15 minutes a day. Epsom salt baths are another great way. Dry skin brushing. There's great kind of infographics about how to do that. And you can do that before you get in the shower. So you don't, this isn't like a loofah. It isn't an exfoliation process. It's a process to move those lymphatics so that you can deliver all those toxins from like your big toe and your pinky finger to the liver so it can be eliminated. And then kidneys. This is a big one. Drinking enough water is step number one. Drinking good, high quality filtered water is so important. And it needs to be out of ceramic, stainless, or glass no more plastic. I want to have everybody who's listening like put their hand up and promise no more plastic. Absolutely. That's like turning the faucet on even more, right? That's just adding more toxin to an already t burdened system. So getting that good filtered water and then the lungs. Lungs are the last of these amongtries of our organs of elimination. So breath work, exercise should help. Getting Taking a deep breath is a great way. It helps so much with acid-base balance, but you can think like even if you've been drinking and driving, right? How do the cops know you are breathing the toxin out? You're breathing out, I think it's that acetylaldehyde, and that's how they measure how much toxin is in your system. So it's a really, I think we don't realize how much toxin comes out through our breath. And so bringing our awareness to that and also air filters, right? That not only is toxin coming out, but toxins can be inhaled. So having good high quality air filters, especially in the bedroom, because we spend so much time in the bedroom at night, that's a, a great way, or in the workplace, great way to reduce the toxic burden is by getting good high quality air filters in the home. Heather, I'm so glad we're recording this because you have so many interesting pieces of information. 
Folks, you just have to run it back and catch the last 10 minutes. I mean, just go and go slowly. One of the words that coming up that's not in my immediate vocabulary, and I'm looking forward to having you say it again. I didn't want to interrupt you before because I was so interested in where you were going, and then you started talking about the, the body and so on. But what yeah, is that thinking. word, amongsteries, or what? I'm not familiar with that word. Amongsteries. E-M-M-U-N. Uh-oh, I'm going to spell it wrong now. That's all right. We'll come close. Amongsteries. Amongsteries. I got to look that one up. Yeah, it's a good one. Those are fun. Those, those organs are your friends. We want to support them and get them optimized. Getting them optimized is the secret to getting you optimized, right? Getting those so, organs of elimination firing on all So we're going to have all of our listeners dropping that at dinner meeting on Saturday night with their friends. You know, this is drop that monk trees out, somehow fit it into the conversation. Then you can talk about mold and then probably Lyme disease. Now, are you as strong on Lyme as you are on mold? So Lyme is a struggle. Lyme is such a hard one. If I can avoid giving someone a Lyme diagnosis, I I try so hard. I think that part of what happens with Lyme, and this may be a little controversial both in and outside of the Lyme community, but Lyme, there was a nature paper published not that long ago, I think just in 2017, that said that Lyme is not just in ticks, right? It's in all vectors. So it's in fleas, it's in mosquitoes, it's all over the place. There isn't just Borrelia burgdorferi, right? There's not just the East Coast Lyme, Connecticut Lyme. There's Lyme on the West Coast, Lyme in the Midwest. There's Lyme in Europe. So there's Lyme all over the place and it doesn't always look like what comes up on the test. Now, that being said, it's relatively ubiquitous, kind of like EBV and CMV. Everybody's been exposed, for the most part, has been exposed. And if, if you have the symptoms associated with Lyme, it's kind of like what we talked about with mold. You might have a partner who has the same exposure, but doesn't have the symptoms. So there's something about the host, right? This is that Louis Pasteur, this, this age-old medical conundrum. Is it the host or the pathogen? And I believe that a big piece of Lyme is the host. So there is a susceptibility. And I don't know if it is genetic. I don't know if it's nutrients. I don't know if it's structure in the spine, so you're not getting good signaling. But I know the immune system, of course, is playing a big role. And the immune system can be affected by none other than toxins, right? Mm -hmm. So So true. high toxic burden, you're not going to be able to get rid of that Lyme. They start to proliferate in, in a way that causes symptoms. So in the Lyme conversation, we're working on toxins, bringing toxins down first, because your immune system is never going to function great and take care of that Lyme if you're burdened with toxins. Because toxins, again, are they're fat soluble, so they're going to bind to your lymph nodes. They're going to bind to those areas in your brain that are responsible for the functioning of your immune system. So toxins first, then we can get at those infections. The other thing about that is that Lyme, these stealth infections and the co-infections associated with Lyme, they produce their own toxins. Key point. In fact, I'm going to ask you about that real quickly because I'm very excited about what you're talking about. The next one there, which is very close to this conversation, is candida. Yes. And I was wondering what you thought about that comorbidity of uh, candida existing. What I see with individuals who have Lyme, and I'm not a Lyme professional, I refer them out, but I do see people with Lyme. And one of the things that's been striking to me is how many of them have all of these symptoms that you were just talking about, about liver and bowel problems. And so many of them are comorbid with candida. I mean, and pervasive, significant bowel and candida histories. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could even add autism to this conversation, right? That all of these complex chronic conditions that the conventional community really has trouble addressing. I mean, even the schizophrenia and bipolar, what we're trying to do at Neurohacker, at my clinic, we're just trying to get outside that box. Well, how can we take a step back, again, come at this very complex, very overwhelming symptomatic picture and say, where are the imbalances and how can we fix them? And I typically start with toxins for exactly these reasons, right? It kind of prevents everything else from working. And that list of amongtories and how to support them is really essential. It's foundational. If you're not sleeping, if you're not pooping every day, if you're not eating the right foods, if you're not managing your stressors, if you're not getting some movement, then nothing else is going to get better. So starting there is really key. And somebody's not having a bowel movement every day, that is step number one, no matter what the conversation, right? Because if you have constipation, you're going to end up with some sort of imbalance. Now, is it going to be candida or clostridia or bacteroides? I don't know, but there will, I can guarantee you there will be some imbalance. And that's why the stool test, they go home with a lot of people, not glamorous, but so much <laughs> valuable information. Absolutely. So, you know, this has been a wonderful conversation. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And I think it's absolutely germane to, we know in our uh, listener audience that there are a number of professionals who are really thinking, where do I go next? What do I do? How can I move forward with enlarging my understanding of what's actually going on? And so for the public, for the citizenry of the world, really the observations that you have are just striking and very, very helpful. And I think professionals are really starting to think more and more about the complexity, the systems. And I know Daniel talks a lot about this over at Neurohacker, and he talked about it in our, in our interview. It's a systems problem. It's not a single, okay, we found the diagnosis. I have so many people come in as a psychiatrist and say, the diagnosis is bipolar, therefore we should use atypicals. I mean, just as a quick example. Right. And they're so reductionistic in their thinking but that little brief conversation that we had right here is what you were doing was saying complexity, 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 and don't forget the systems. Right, exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> so where would people get a hold of you? How could they contact you? We'll have those notes in the show notes, but why don't you tell us real quickly for the people who are driving, get it how they could sure. connect with you. We're at North County Natural Medicine. We're on Facebook. We're online, northcountynaturalmedicine.com. Our phone number is 760-385-8683. So you can call to schedule. If you have additional questions, send them our way. We also do a Facebook Live every Wednesday evening. We're on the Pacific time. So we do it Wednesday, usually between 5 and 5.30, depending on how busy the patient load has been that day. 5 and 5.30 on Wednesdays. And feel free to Take a look, comment, ask questions that way. We'll be back every Wednesday. And right now we're doing a fun new year, new you cleanse. So we're taking all of those concepts that I talked about with the amunctories and applying it in a very practical way. We've done grocery store tours and all kinds of fun stuff like that. So that's what we're highlighting on our Facebook Live each Wednesday. And we're open to suggestions about what to do next. Well, as I am, I'm always open to suggestions. I think it's great that you're doing the Facebook Live. And I'd love to be able to do something like that right now. I can't do it this minute, but I think there's a great place for a larger conversation that somebody can just come into and connect with the other realities that are out there as opposed to living in the dream. There are solutions. Your body has the ability to heal. It was born with that. And all we have to do is support it. 
Well said, well said. So Heather, thank you so much for coming on board. We're going to do another one. And what happens is you think about this conversation, it's going to come up in about two or three weeks from this uh, particular conversation. And if you have some other things, you say, hey, Parker, we need to we need to hit on this a little bit more thoroughly. I've had some additional thoughts about it. Come on back. We'd love to have you back. For oh, it's been such a pleasure. I would love to come back. We'll do it sometime. Thank you so much, Heather. Have a good evening. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to Corbrain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because, as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive, misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications, like those written for ADHD, are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.